You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. And I hope you're having a great time so far, yes? Our one big message today is come home. (laughs) Come home. Everybody say, come home. We're starting a new series today. And uh, the title of our series is Dear Prodigals. Ah, marami mga alibughang anak dito. <laughs> Ang lalim ng word prodigals. We're gonna, we're gonna learn. We're talking about the whole book of Deuteronomy today. Starting today, it's gonna be a few weeks. We've, uh, we're restarting our series. You know, we have to appreciate as well that we just finished... Uh, uh, the, the, we're finishing through this series, the Torah. Everybody say Torah. The first five books of the Bible, which are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Ang galing ha? Maraming salamat. And if you let you, I want to let you know, we've been doing this for a year. Huh? It's been a year since we started it. And it's an amazing thing. The Torah is composed of the different books of the first, the five first five books, and it contains the 613 laws uh, of God. And uh, today we're gonna learn that Torah is not just laws, because when you think about laws, hello, yun ang police, hello, yun na, yun ang sundalo, hello, kukunin ka na nila. We're thinking that if it's always the law, it's gonna be hard or it's so restrictive. No. Today, when you think about Torah, you're thinking about teaching. It is, it is, it is a teaching. It's, it's meant for us so that it's not just for you to follow what is the commandment. Because the teachings, the, the Torah, the, the law, 613 laws then, it doesn't necessarily apply to now. It has its context. Everybody say context. We're not there just to live like they were before, but we're using this now. And up to now, it is latest to us because it is a teaching. Everybody say teaching. And it's it's an amazing thing to to re-look at this before. How many of us really read the first five books of the Bible, Deuteronomy? Ang hirap niyan. But uh, uh, we must read the first five books, not as God's laws for all eternity, eternity, but as God's teachings, from laws to teachings for all eternity. The lessons are not to restrict us. The lessons is for us to have a full, beautiful, satisfying life. That's what laws are. That's what the teachings are for. And again, the 613 laws placed in the Torah are written in a specific time, in a specific place. It has its own context. So as we unpack, we have unpacked the Torah in the last year. Up to now, we're ending through this series with Deuteronomy. Our question, when we reflect on the teaching, not just on the law, to make it practical for you, the question we ask ourselves is, Lord, how do you want me to love you today? Lord, natutunan ko sa feast, how do you want me to love you today? 
by the way, if you come to the feast ng Lord, kailangan ko ng ganyan, kailangan ko ng ganon, kailangan ko ng ganyan. Okay din yon, Especially as you're starting this journey with the Lord. But we believe that God is not Santa Claus. God is not just, you know, hihingan, huhutan lang. No, it is a relationship. Everybody say relationship. Sino may relationship dito? Taso kamay. Parang yung iba sama ng tingin sa akin. Parang dok naman eh. Kaya nga ako nagfe-feast eh. No, wala ka bang relationship sa family mo, sa nanay, sa tatay, sa friends, sa colleagues? Everybody has a relationship. And one of the most important relationships you'll ever have is your relationship with God. And, and, and that, is our, that is one of our things here in the feast that as we're feasting in the Word, as we're feasting with experience with one another, we're feasting with our relationship with God the Father. And I hope you're appreciating that. Yes? Now, going back to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy literally means second Torah. Loving uh, second Torah. What do I mean? Because the first Torah was in the, the, the laws were written in Exodus at the start. And it's mirroring now in Deuteronomy. It's second Torah because the ones that were given the first Torah Remember, there were 40 years in the desert. It, there's a new generation that was born out of the desert. Are you with me? So, there, there, there is a difference when it was given at the start and 40 years after wandering in the desert and not just wandering because God is doing something for the nation, for the chosen people of God. And then now they're entering the promised land. There needs to be a reiteration. There needs to be a second review uh, iteration of the Torah because there's a new audience. Because there, there are new people listening. They are, they, they are the ones who grew up in the desert and, the, and, uh, and their mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, they have passed on. And that's why this is also very important. Because look at this. The reflection is this. Loving God in the desert may be different from loving God in the promised land. Have you experienced that? That when you are in need, and God gave you that so much need. In love, in love ka kay Lord. You have a very good relationship with the Lord. But when everything is okay and things are going your way, sometimes we forget that it is all coming from the Lord. Are you with me? So I'm setting this all up because it's a whole series ahead of us about prodigals, and that's you and me. And we, God is welcoming us home again. Now I'm going to give you the heart of the book. The heart of the book of Deuteronomy is the Shema. Everybody say Shema. And Shema means hear. Everybody say hear. Listen. Hear. And we just read it earlier. And I want to read it again to you today. Are you ready? Can you read it with me? This is Moses' opening speech in the whole book of Deuteronomy. And it's the central verse, it's the central message of the whole book. Let's read it all together. One, two, three, go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The Shema is very secret to the Jews. They pray it at the start of the day, and they pray it at the end of their day. They keep on saying it over and over and over again. And I, I, I want to I wanna 
point to the first truth that the Shema says. The first truth says, the Lord is one. Can you say that with me? Can you say it again? The Lord is one. I want to give you the context of this one. This is a revolutionary thing to say at their time and place. Because during that time, 3,000 plus years ago, Israel lived in a polytheistic universe. The people have many gods. They have so many, many gods. So for example, Egypt, where they were from, they worship Ra, Osiris, uh, Isis. The Canaanites worship Baal, Asherah, and Anat. And Mesopotamians worship Marduk, Ishtar, and Anu. And, and these gods, these major gods, still have lesser gods, uh, deities with them. And so to say that the Lord is one, that's, whoa, that's revolutionary. That's, that's different. That's so new. It can even be laughable. For example, think of it in context. If you post that during that ancient, if there's Facebook at that time, and you post that there's a, the, the Lord is one, you will be canceled. Nobody will believe you. Because, because that's the time. So I want you to appreciate the text. And getting to know the context appreciates it. And guys, when we say worshiping God alone, it is not just a problem 3,000 years ago. I want to declare with you the truth that yes, doesn't the world still now worship other gods? Don't we? Don't we see, when we search our hearts, we see there may be gods that we are worshiping, where we give our all, we give our time, energy, effort, where, where we serve them. But that's not God. So, for example, how many of you, the first thing when you wake up, the first thing that you reach out is your? All right, in chorus, cell phone. When I was younger, I was taught that the first thing that when I wake up, I reach out for my Bible. But now, I'm one with the bandwagon. Sometimes, oops, there must be a message. Oops, there must be an important thing. there. So, I'm one with you. And guys, have you ever experienced that you lost your phone? Oh, it's like you're gonna have a heart attack. Or you got out of the house and then you left your phone. You feel so naked. You, you want to go home and get, get, get it. And, and it, it takes so much of us. That is just the phone. Napapalitan. Naluluma. Limited also. Even if it's powerful, it has its limitations. Are you with me? In, uh, I was able to give a talk in our youth camp uh, recently called Camp Kalye. And they made a rule there. The rule was, for three days, the kids, the youth will never have phones. They surrender their cell phones to the organizers. Wow, that's so transformational. And I've heard from the, the, from the youth, it was so, kumbaga, the feeling like, you know, you, you were constipated before and then you had success. Upon it, was so, it was so transformational. It was so new. And I challenge us, I challenge all of us adults, how far can we go without our phones? Can we do that? Can we do a retreat? 
Can we, can we try to recognize this, this phone is getting so much of us? And maybe, maybe, let's, well, we worship a lot of gods today. Uh, sometimes when you post in Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, I only know X. Yeah, my threads, and if you don't get enough likes or shares, you feel so unloved. Sometimes you're waiting for people to react, then that would be your validation. We also worship power, popularity, possessions, and if we don't get them, we grumble. We think that life is not fair, life is bad. We worship our addictions, we worship our distractions. Sometimes in the mirror, we worship ourselves. Now, when I'm a botox, I want a Korean look. No, 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 no. Dear friend, today, God's message for you is to come home. Come to Him just as you are. We need to pray the Shema more. <laughs> we need to pray it more. And again and again, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. And this is so familiar as well. You've read it in the Bible. Jesus gave Shema as a compass. So one day, a religious leader asked Jesus, out of the 613 laws of Moses, what is the most important one? And Jesus was so wise to answer. They wanted Jesus to, tr to be trapped in, in, in a debate with them, and they want Jesus to pick something that is controversial so that they could pin him down. But, but he did not. Instead, he said this from Mark 12, verse 29 to 30. Jesus picked their daily prayer in response. And he said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Say it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Say it loud. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Though Shema, the word Shema means hear, it doesn't necessarily mean just you receive the sound waves to your ear. Shema means also really listening. Iba yung narinig ko, iba yung napakinggan ko. Are you with me? Iba yung narinig ko nga, but I did not do anything about it. It means Shema over and over again. It means we do not just listen once. We, we do not just stop at listening. Listening, hearing, it leads to obeying. And I want to leave you by saying, please keep on listening. Keep on listening. Because our relationship with God is an ongoing relationship. It is not a stale or stagnant relationship. God is telling us something different from yesterday to today and to our future. It's a relationship. It is alive. It is not just, uh, just a title. It is an ongoing, everybody say ongoing relationship. Ongoing relationship. I want to pause here now by giving us a reflection. How is your relationship with God? Maybe... You haven't prioritized him. Maybe mm, once in a while I remember I need him. Or maybe you're far away from him and this message to you is so crucial to you coming back to relationship with him. And God says today, come home. Maybe you recognize through today that you may be having and serving other gods before him. 
Today, we declare the Lord is one. And we have an ongoing relationship with Him. And praise be to God, we serve the Lord our God. And we have our Lord our God because He is kind. He's gentle. He's loving. And He sees you more than you think who you are. He sees you as a son, a daughter, an heir to the kingdom of God. And on behalf of God, on all the leaders of our community today, welcome home. You're part of God's family. It is an ongoing relationship. Amen? Palakpakan natin ng Panginoon. To keep the message going, let's give a big hand please to our next preacher, Brother Odi Villaraza. Thank you, Didoy. You know, what I find so amazing about Deuteronomy is the fact that they believe that the author who wrote this is the same author who wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And so the question that I was asking when I was reading this is, why in the world does he need to rewrite the whole thing again? I mean, he, he, he talked about it already, mentioned it in Leviticus, naming all the lists and, and, and laws of God. Why the need to rewrite that? And I'm so glad that I wasn't the one who did that. Because if that was me, I would just have put there, refer to page 3 of Leviticus and see a full list of God's laws. Because that's how we are, right? We like shortcutting things. I remember in college, professors like, okay, give me a five-page uh, reflection on, on this book. And I'm like, sure, no problem. Consider it done. 1.5 spacing, aerial font, 14.5 size. <laughs> Just to get it done. Why in the world do you need to create and make a big deal again to rewrite the whole thing? We found out from Didoy that it's because he's talking now to a different target market. It's a different audience. If in the first time the audience were the slaves that had escaped from Egypt, now the slaves, or rather the target audience, were the next generation of people far removed from slavery. These were people who have never even experienced slavery itself. That's why you, you kind of think, okay, now it's a new audience. It's a new thing that, that, that he needs to remind them about God's laws. And one thing that you got to learn is this. God's laws will forever be eternal. How many of you believe that? That it, it's something that you need to obey even though you're the new generation or you're the next generation. It's generational. It's transferred from one generation to the next. But here's the thing. God's laws are also, in the way that you apply them, it's situational. Like, it's different from how you would apply it in your life in a season that you're in that right now. I'll give you an example. Didoy said that the first law was love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That's the first commandment, and that's good. But I realized this. When I was single and I entered into community, I was a 28-year-old single guy. And the way that I did ministry was so different in the sense that... Um, I, I attended all of these pastoral programs left and right. I was so busy. In fact, I remember every Monday I would attend a music rehearsals where they would teach us music lessons, five of us in that class every Monday in Cubao, Quezon City, in Chicago Street at the Lighthouse. Every Monday at 7 o'clock p.m., we would have Simon Santos teach five of us. Me, John Ben Rodriguez, Mike Vinas, Carlo Lorenzo, and Francis Yanga. We belonged in a, in a group called the Pray Boys. How many of you remember that? Amen. 
And that was a beautiful time. But little did Simon Santos know that five of us had a condition, a serious condition called FCS. And this is a real condition that happens from every one out of 10 Filipinos. You know what FCS is? Filipinos who can't sing. How many of you have that same condition? Now, globally, Filipinos are known to be talented singers, but you'll have one out of 10 Filipinos who can't carry a tune. Look at the person beside you. Does it look like they have FCS? You wait until the worship later, and then you decide for yourselves. It's a real condition. I mean, we could carry a tune. We could sing. But the problem is we could never do harmony. Whenever we would have to sing harmony, imagine five guys singing on top of their lungs in complete melody. Palakasan ng boses. But you know, my favorite part about that wasn't just the music rehearsals. It was the fellowship that happened right after. We would end around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and we would always take that into fellowship over some chicharon bulaklak and some sisig in Tapsi ni Vivian. We would have that. It was so good. The fellowship was food for the soul, but the sisig was food for a stroke. <laughs> and then Thursdays, sometimes every week, Thursdays I would have to attend rehearsals for the service that Sunday. And then I remember in between days, I would, you know, go feast hopping. How many of you do that up to now? You would go feast hopping and take in as much messages that you can get because you believe that God would speak to you through the different preachers. But then I got married. And then we had kids. Now, ministry looks a little bit different for me. Because now, I would have to choose the programs and the events that really required my presence because now I needed to also take care of my family. Now, what is my point? My point is this. The way that I showed my love for God when I was single is different from the way that I show my love for God now that I'm married and I have kids. If before, I would show my love for God by going to all these events, now it's a little bit different. The way I show my love for God is not by going, but by staying with my family. Do I feel guilty? No. Why? Because I believe that God is very much present in my season right now as a married person, as a father and as a husband, that He was also present in my time when I was single. So again, ask yourself the question. Oftentimes you got to ask this, Lord, how do you want me to love you right now? today that I am married or that I'm still single or that I'm a student or that I'm a worker, that I'm a business owner. Lord, how do you want me to love you in this season of my life? That's a good question, isn't it? But you know, the target market of Deuteronomy, if you read throughout this entire book, it kind of makes you confused because it seems like Moses is talking to the first generation of slaves, but then you realize that that's not really the audience. I'll give you four different audiences of the book of Deuteronomy. The first one is, of course, you know, the, the free people of Israel who were at the doorstep of the promised land because they wanted to get into the promised land. So they could be the audience. But the second group of audience could be the, the Jewish exiles who when Babylon conquered Jerusalem, remember that this happened 900 years after the time of Moses, that was the time that Deuteronomy was finally compiled. It wasn't compiled right after Moses died. It was compiled many, many hundreds of years after. That could be also the audience because they wanted to get back to the promised land. But then another audience, the third audience, could also be the Jewish people who are now in Jerusalem because King Darius allowed them to go back. But now they find Jerusalem in ruins. Like it was no longer their city. And so they might have been asking, Lord, this is really the promised land that you wanted us to be in. Because it doesn't look like it's the promised land to us. So they can also be the audience. But then I think about all these people 
who wanted to return back to the Lord. So you could actually say that the audience of Deuteronomy is every person who wants to return back to God. Guess what? Isn't that you and me? How many of you at any point in your life, just raise your hand, have run away from the Lord? Come on. You've turned your back against God. You've disobeyed Him. You've forgotten about Him. Give me a, a virtual hands up if you're listening online. That's all of us. So in a way, the audience of Deuteronomy is every person who wants to make way their way back to the Lord. That's why the title of the series is Dear Prodigals. Can you turn to somebody beside you and say, Hello, prodigal. Go on, type that in the chat. Hello, prodigals. That's you and me. Now, you probably already know the parable of the prodigal son, right? It's one of those parables that we, we, we know from, from our hearts. But I want to tell you the story again from a different perspective. I know this has been preached by many preachers already, but it's a story of a young man that goes to his father and then asks for his share of the wealth early. And then he finds himself in trouble. But I want to share with you this conversation that they have in this. It says, to illustrate the point further, we're in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him the story that a man had two sons. And the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Why did the son leave the house? I'll give you two reasons. The first one is this. It's called arrogance. Can you say that word, arrogance? Look at the way he says it. He says, I want my share of your estate when? Now. I want it now. Isn't this a picture of all of us? I want the blessing now, Lord. Not, not tomorrow, not then, now. I want it now. And so we take matters into our own hands because of our pride and because of our ego our arrogance gets, gets to us and then we think that we can do this on our own. And so we define good and evil according to our own terms. You remind, does, does that remind you of somebody? Adam and Eve? The reason why they left garden, the garden is because they wanted to do things on their own. They were arrogant. But there's a second reason why the son left. Arrogance is the first reason. The second one is called ignorance. He didn't know any better. Sometimes we think that the grass is greener on the other side. And so we try things on our own, but not really thinking, what am I leaving behind? Maybe the thing that I'm going to, maybe the thing that I want, maybe the thing that I'm dreaming of is really just an illusion that's fooling me to think that what I have in my hands is not what God wants for me. But then you reach that other side and you realize that the reason why the garden was growing better where you were is because God was there. But now you're outside of the garden and because of your ignorance. But then after you overcome arrogance and ignorance, you know what happens next? There's acceptance. I'll read it to you. It says further in the story, when he finally, the son came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. You know my prayer for you? There's some of, somebody here who's returning back to the Lord just now. And I pray that God will make you come to your senses, that you realize that there is no place better than in the house of God. Say amen if you agree with me. There's ignorance. 
there's arrogance, and finally, there's acceptance. But I want to give you this little analogy. What happens when you remove fish from water? What happens to the fish? It dies. What happens when you remove the tree from the soil? It dies. So what do you think will happen when you remove yourself from God? You die. Maybe not a physical death, but a spiritual death. Have you ever felt that? When you got disconnected from God, you, you're living, there's a semblance of life, but it's not really living because you've got no purpose. What is my point? Ask me what? God is our natural environment. The Bible says that in Him we move, we live, and we exist. We live for God through Him. That's why when you disconnect yourself from the Father, it's like you get lost and you can't find yourself anywhere. If it's okay, can I ask you to stand as I close? I want to share with you one last story and then we'll worship the Lord. I know we're a little bit over time and we apologize for that. But this is something you desperately need to hear. I'll share with you one last story. Because a year ago, just right after the lockdown was lifted, was it, was it last year? Right? Pandemic, but pandemic was still there. But we, we managed to find ourselves in Boracay. My wife and I, my, my family, we took our kids for a vacation because we needed it. We needed a vacation. You needed rest. We needed time away. And how many of you also feel like you need a vacation? Raise your hand. Just wave your hand at me. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. I, I pray that this story touches you. So we went to Boracay, and uh, my son loves the beach. And so we were there. And uh, the thing with Boracay is that it's a beautiful island. But the problem is that when you have two kids, you know, the reason why they call it Station 1, Station 2, Station 3, it's Station 0, it's because it's separated by one kilometer. That's one kilometer, one kilometer. So it's, so it's, it's just separated by these distances. And sometimes we needed to go to a restaurant in Station 1. We were staying in Station 2. We needed to go to a restaurant in Station 2. We wanted to go to Station 3. So we needed to walk. And the problem is that you know, my son loves the beach, but he hates sand. So how in the world will you enjoy the beach? Son, you can't have the beach if you don't like sand. So you know what happened? Every single place we went to, we had to carry them. Two of them. So we would take turns. And by that time, my goodness, first day, we were already tired. And you know, when we were on our way home, it was a beautiful trip. It was a fun trip. We enjoyed it. But on our way home, in the airport, somehow... God just wanted us to enjoy Boracay so much because of the sun that the air conditioning in the airport wasn't working. So imagine the, the heat. And then we arrive in Manila. Now it feels like, you know, the entire Philippines is sizzling because Manila is even hotter than Boracay. And so now we were in the taxi. And again, the aircon wasn't working properly. And by this time, our two children had fallen asleep because they were so tired. So imagine we were carrying two kids. We had luggages. We had bags. And by the time we got to our condo, we just wanted to lie down and take a shower. But then because I was rushing, I was carrying Ethan and I accidentally hit his head on the elevator door and he started crying non-stop and by this time my wife was also mad I was also mad our baby was also mad we came home and everything that we experienced in Barakai just vanished into thin air and then days passed by and we had a little reflection and I'm sharing this to all the parents okay parents who have young kids raise your hand who have young kids come on I need you to hear this 
Parents, I need you to realize this, that if you're looking to have a vacation with your family, the real vacation is not in a different place. It's in your home. It's at home. At home, we could sleep. We could lie down. We do not have to be in traffic. And you know, I realize this. A lot of us, we tend to go outside of our home. We look for love. We look for joy. We look for peace. We look for purpose. But then we find out that actually everything that we need is in God's house. It's been there since the very beginning. I didn't need to go to that relationship to find love. It's been there ever since. You belong in God's house. You need to come back if you've strayed away from the Lord. And here's a beautiful breakthrough that, that, that God promises. This is how the story ends. It says in Luke chapter 15, 22, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on the son who ran away, who, who left. And then he says, Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And then kill the calf. Turn it into seasick. We have been fattening it for this moment. And then he says this, Listen to this. We must celebrate with a what? With a what? With a feast. For this son of mine was dead. This daughter of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. This is how the story ends. But wait, actually, it's not the ending. Because it says, so the party began. It's not an ending, it's a beginning. So every time you come back to the house of the Lord, the Lord throws a celebration. He throws a feast. Ask me why. Because it's a chance for you to begin again for you to start again, for you to have the opportunity to be with your Father again. So every time you come to the feast, my goodness, God throws a party for all of you. How many want a party right now with the Lord? Can I we invite our worship team? Come on. We're going to declare that this is the place because God is here. And wherever you go, it doesn't have to be in a church setting. Any place that you go, when you declare that God is your king in that place, God sets up His tabernacle. He sets up His altar. And that's the place where God dwells in you. How many of you want to be in the house of God right now? Come on, just clap your hands. Clap your hands. There is no better place than to be in the house of God. And we're going to worship Him right now. Come on, everybody, lift up your hands. You don't need to look for Him because God is here with you. God is in this place. He is waiting for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it out. I need not fight for your love, oh God. It's available and I receive it. I need not strive for your grace. For you alone are enough. To you I lift my gaze. I need not chase down your heart I need not struggle to be heard For you are never too far I know you hear every word 
one day. There is a one day in your presence. Thousand elsewhere. Come on, church, with faith. Let's sing this together. You're beside me. You are beside me, within me. Lord, you go before me, and you know me, you see me. So why then should I flee? You are beside me, within me. Lord, you go before me, and you know me, you see me. So why then should I flee from your presence? Your mercy that you freely give me, Lord, remind me that I need nothing but you with me, Lord. Your presence, your mercy that you freely give me, Lord, remind me that I need nothing but you with me. continue to be in the posture of worship and surrender and right now we want to respond to God's love the story of the parable of the lost and the in the parable of the prodigal son that's you and me but in that story I want you to know that the father he's represented by Jesus Christ himself he is the way the truth and the life and he's the way to God the father but Jesus is right now here in our presence and so let me pray for each one of you on the count of three later I want you to signify your commitment to be with God to say that you will worship him alone by just raising your hand but we'll count to three when we do that and heaven will celebrate but right now let me pray Heavenly Father I pray for every single person here we believe that this is a message for all of us in the sense that we are all prodigals. We have all at one point in our life ran away, forgotten about you, turned our backs against you, but today it stops. We make this decision that from this day onward, Lord, we declare that you are our God and that Jesus, we will have life with you. If there's any person here, Lord, who doesn't have a personal relationship with you, I pray that you would have an encounter with them right now, in this moment. Everybody here, please say this with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I turn away from all the wrong that I've done. And from this day on, I declare that only you will be my king. And only you, I will worship. From this day on, I go back to your house and I will never leave again. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Are you ready to commit your life to Jesus? On the count of three, lift up your hands and then we will have a party in this place. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. Hands up. Hands up. Hands up. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.